This is Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, Canada's national source for the latest agronomic research, crop production, and technology trends. You've tuned in to hear conversations about relevant research, best production practices, and everything in between. Hello, Top Croppers, and welcome to the second episode of our Inputs podcast coverage of the Plant Health Summit. My name is Alex Bernard, Associate Editor for Top Crop Manager magazine. The Plant Health Summit was a conference run by Top Crop Manager at TCU Place in Saskatoon on February 25th and 26th. The summit featured presentations on a variety of topics, from disease management and updates on club root and a phenomyces root rot, to insect pest control, to the future of farming with smart technology and plant growth regulators. This series will include conversations with the presenters about their topic and the central message growers and agronomists can take away and use in their work. Our second episode features Joy Agnew, the Director of Applied Research at Olds College in Alberta. Some of you may have heard Joy speak or read her research on grain storage, which was one of her previous areas of research. She began her new role at Olds College in January 2019, where her new focus is on smart technology in agriculture and its applications. This was the topic of her presentation and our conversation, specifically what is smart ag tech, what the evolution has been, and where it is going. So agriculture is a risky business, and that's really what the value of smart ag or ag technologies really is, is to help manage that risk or mitigate that risk. So data and technology can help producers make decisions accounting for all of these things that affect the overall profitability and productivity of farming. So weather and climate change, high and fluctuating cost of inputs, market volatility, that insanely complex relationship between soil, plants, air and water, long-term impacts of, of cropping on soil health and declining soil health, labor shortages, logistical challenges, all of it. That is what ag tech does is it helps crop and livestock producers manage risk. That's what it's there for. I'm Alex here with Top Crop Manager at the Plant Health Summit, and I'm speaking today with... Dr. Joy Agnew. And what is it you do? So my title is Director of Applied Research at Olds College for the Olds College Center for Innovation. But basically, I was, I was here talking about the development of our new Smart Ag Applied Research Program. Okay. And what is the Smart Ag Research Program? So it's a, it's a research program, obviously, that is aiming to address and evaluate and answer questions related to ag technologies. And I guess the, the focus is for you know, practical information and practical on-farm experience with these technologies and assessment of, of the value that they, they might bring to producers. Okay. You mentioned in your presentation that there's a so-called farm tech revolution that's happened. What is that? What's happened in the past decade or so? What's coming down the pipeline? <laughs> so yeah, the, there's a lot of buzz about the ag tech evolution over the last 10 years. But what I discovered is that what's really what's happened over the last 10 years is just development and optimization of technologies that are helping us do precision ag better. And those precision ag practices have been adopted and developed decades ago. So we're talking about variable rate application of fertilizers, variable rate seeding, sectional control, precision soil sampling, all, the, all those things, they're still around. We're just doing them maybe in a slightly different or better or more high-tech way. And that's really that's really all the evolution has been about. Well, once I actually took a step back and started looking at these ag technologies that are booming over the last 10 years and looking at the timeline of the ag tech evolution, 
Really, the ag tech evolution started decades and decades ago. And this, this timeline was put together not by myself, but by um, Dr. Terry Griffin out of Kansas State University. You know, he's noting that yield monitors came in way back in the late 80s, early 90s. Precision soil sampling was way back in the 90s. Variable rate fertility was introduced in the 90s. Automated guidance was becoming much more popular in the early 2000s. And sectional control and variable rate seeding in around 2005. 2005 basically is the last date on here, or 2007. That was 13 years ago already. And I can tell you that pretty much everything that I've been exposed to over the last year as being new and revolutionary and this is going to change the game is nothing brand new. It's just a new way or maybe a more improved way of doing one of these things up here. So the last 10 years, the ag tech evolution or revolution really isn't bringing anything new to the table. It's just improving how we might be able to do some of these precision ag or ag technology practices that have been around for several decades already. What is the difference between precision ag and smart ag? I know that was kind of a part of your presentation. It was, and, and I don't know if it's really important to know the difference okay. between smart ag and precision ag, but in my head, because I'm, a, I'm an engineer and I'm very analytical, I want to know what the difference is if there is a difference. Mm -hmm. So my understanding is that precision ag is, is all about assessing or addressing the variability in a field, right? So variable rate fertilizer application is accounting for the variability within a field, whereas smart ag is, is taking that utilization of technology and data one step further. And rather than just addressing variability within the field, it's also accounting for actual in-field real-time conditions and insights to make management decisions. Okay. So whether whether that difference you know, is of interest to anyone else or not, I don't know, but it helped me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if nothing else, it's the mental framework you have for underpinning your research. Right. Yeah. And the idea of big data and small data in farming, could you expand on that a bit? Yeah, so the last 10 years in the whole um, data evolution or revolution and, and smart egg revolution has really all been about the fact that now we can collect so much more data, right? And cloud storage and, and data management has just allowed us to now collect terabytes and terabytes and terabytes of data. And everyone's talking about it saying, oh, we, we need to use this data. When I talk to producers one-on-one, -on -one, they think it's cool and they think, you know, oh yeah, maybe there's something there. But honestly, they aren't even using the little data yet. And I'm talking about if I surveyed 100 producers in a room, I'm pretty sure less than half of them and maybe even about a quarter of them might have an idea of what their cost of production is. That is critical information to have and it's relatively easy to assess collecting basic information that you do not need hyperspectral imagery for, right? It's just dollars and cents and receipts and, you know, tracking that little data. So unless little data has been utilized really well, big data should probably not even really be, be a worry. Because you mentioned it all kind of boils down to dollars and cents when yeah. it comes to that. So that's the quantifiable data that people can get just from their farm, right. but there's the intangibles that you exactly. can't. Exactly, yeah. And so that, that quantifiable data, the dollars and cents, should be relatively easy to, to compile and manage without high-tech you know, solutions. It's that intangible or the operational efficiency and the effect of the, the near-term and the long-term forecast, all those things, that might require big data. But if you don't have a good handle on the little data, then those aren't really going to help you. Yeah. <laughs> Celebrating its 35th anniversary this year, ANL Canada Laboratories is an innovative, research-driven technology company focused on sustainable development. Through leading expertise, modern laboratory facilities, and a strong customer focus, ANL serves a wide range of industries, including agriculture, environmental, food, and pharma globally.
ANL's Vitellus Soil Health Test is the next generation soil health test and recommendations package used by farmers and crop consultants across Canada to make more informed decisions on their application of nutrients and on managing and improving their soil. To learn more, check out alcanada.com and reach out to your local ANL rep. So this is I guess the concept that I went to Olds College with saying, yeah, I want to understand the value of these technologies, right? I want to be able to measure ROI. I want to measure and, and share return on investment of these technologies to producers because that's what they need to know. I very quickly realized that that is much easier said than done <laughs> because ultimately most on-farm decisions do boil down to dollars. And in some cases, it's easy to assign a dollar value or an economic value or an economic return to a technology or practice. But a lot of times that's not accounting for enough of the value or the benefit or the conditions or the factors that affect or, or influence these decisions. So the example I'm going to give you is actually related back to my old area of work related to grain storage, just because I know grain storage really well and I know the factors that affect some of those decisions. So the decisions that have or influence or have an effect on, on grain storage that can be assigned dollar values to are things like what is the cost to dry? A lot of people have a, a pretty good sense of what the cents per bushel is of a cost of drying. Also the cost of cabling and monitoring technologies, there's really good numbers out there to know what's going to be the cost per bin. The penalty for hauling or selling tough grain, everyone knows what those numbers are. The cost of spoilage, if an entire bin spoils, you can pretty easily calculate that number as well. The cost of renting a second combine, maybe to finish harvest a little bit sooner if you know that bad weather is coming. Cost of grain losses just to you know push through the combines because you know you're not going to be able to combine next week. And if you don't get it off today, it's going to stay out until next spring. You know what the cost of that is. And then maybe cost of products to speed up stand establishment or have a more uniform crop at harvest with variable rate fertilizer technologies. If you're looking at those as options to improve harvest management and reduce the amount that you might have to dry, there's cost per acres assigned, uh, associated with those. So already, even, even in the list of factors that are relatively easy to assign dollar values to, there's a lot of things at play, right? There's a lot of factors to consider, but there's all kinds of other Factors to consider that aren't easy to assign dollar values to, like what is the availability of propane or heating fuel if you know you're going to be drying grain? What's the overall risk of spoilage? Like what are the chances that this bin is going to spoil if it goes into the bin at this temperature and this moisture content? What is the bin space and dryer capacity? What's the value of being able to harvest a week earlier? Like there may not be a yield increase using variable rate technology, but if you can get that crop off a week earlier, what is the dollar value associated with that? If it's the difference between getting it off in the fall and having to wait until the spring, there's probably a dollar value there, but it's difficult to assign. Is there a market for tough grain or not? What is your ability to haul? Like what's your available labor? And what's the labor required to monitor and turn grain if it's at risk in the storage? And probably the, the most difficult one, but the most important one to assign some value to is just that mental health capital or your, your peace of mind, knowing that you don't have grain at risk, either in the field or in the bin. So this is supposed to be a relatively simple example, right? It's the decision of whether or, or how, to, how to manage tough grain coming off the field. And yet, look at all these factors that have to be considered. And some have a dollar value attached to them, and some of them don't. So the value of technology, or the value of being able to, to make decisions or adopt practices has to be broader than just dollars.
It has to be. Otherwise, you aren't accounting for all the things that, that really do matter or really do affect the overall bottom line. What can farmers and agronomists do to improve their crop management practices using, I guess, smart farm tech that is currently available? Good question. I don't know yet. <laughs> so probably the concept of using multiple layers of data to do the, the mapping of a field and the prescription mapping is, but that's already, that's already being adopted. There's technology providers that are already doing that with multiple layers of data, which is great. It's just, you know, the importance of that can't be, can't be understated basically. So that one, that one definitely is, is one that's already adopted and, and in use, I guess. Actually, so I, I don't have enough in-field experience, I guess, with some of these newer ones that are just pre-commercial to say whether they're actually going to be a help or not. Some of them are really cool and some of them are, you know, really far out there concepts that would just be so neat to be able to say are, are helpful for egg, but we don't have enough experience yet with them to say for sure, yes, this is going to be the thing that everyone's going to be using in the next couple of years. Yeah, you mentioned that it's a newer program. So how did it come about? How did you folks build it? So it was basically a visioning exercise from some of our key leaders at Olds College saying, where are the gaps? What does agriculture really need? Olds College has been an agriculture-based college since its inception way back in 1913, I think it was. So it's always been focused on ag, but it was really in the last couple of years that developing the strategic plan saying, what are the gaps we really need to fill? And that precision ag, smart ag area was one that was really seen as, as a gap and decided we wanted to fill it and really mapped it out, found some key partners early on to, to provide that sort of seed funding to help us build some of the infrastructure and expertise that, that was required to continue building it. And so it's been those, those critical early key partners that have really helped us build that ecosystem. Our soil and climate sensor validation work is growing and it's gonna be ongoing for, for several years, but there are numerous soil sensors and microclimate sensors and everything coming onto the market that are being touted as, oh, you'll, you'll know in real time what your soil conditions are, you'll be able to make management decisions based on that, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. We have a lot of questions about them, like connectivity. What connectivity options do you have to have for this to actually work and provide real-time data that is going to be useful for management decisions? How robust are they? Do they have to be taken out every fall? Do they have above-ground portions that have to be managed during in-field operations. What is the quality of the data? How accurate is it? How does it compare to gold standard measurements of these constituents like temperature and moisture content? How applicable is this data to Western Canada? An interesting example of that is one of the microclimate sensors that we adopted last year and installed made a claim that one of their features or one of their outputs is leaf wetness index. Okay, and it was theoretically supposed to help you with timing of fungicide applications so that you're not applying fungicide or other pesticides when the crop is still too wet or the dew point is at an unfavorable spot. But guess what? The reading that came back to us on leaf wetness index was some uncalibrated number on a scale from 0 to 10. And we went back to the, the technology developers and said, okay, we're getting this number for a leaf wetness index. How do we know what's too wet and what's, what's too dry? Turns out they had never deployed their technology or looked at their algorithms for a cereal crop. They were designed and implemented for row crop production in the states, like mainly vegetable crop production. So when we said, we have this thing in a field of wheat and a field of barley and a field of canola, tell us which leaf wetness index is too wet. Oh, yeah, we've never even seen those crops before, so we don't know what scale you need to use. So what is the applicability to Western Canadian agriculture? That is what we're always interested in. So what are some misconceptions people have about smart egg? 
<laughs> that it's going to completely replace farmer intuition, farmer knowledge, and agronomists. That's not the case. Uh, it's basically smart egg and, and precision egg and all these technologies are going to be tools to help ma make management decisions. That's it. There's, you know, some futurists and, and people that don't really understand agriculture are saying that machine learning and artificial intelligence will completely, you know, make these decisions and, and with all the, the right databases and with all the right algorithms, you know, it will take the farmers and agronomists right out of the picture. That is so never going to happen. <laughs> so that's probably the biggest worry or misconception that I can I can definitely debunk. So robot agronomists are not the next thing. <laughs> they well, they might be, but they won't they won't completely replace the need for boots on the ground. They will just be another tool for agronomists to get more data or higher resolution photos or see parts of the field that they don't have time to or whatever. It'll be a tool. It will not replace. I'm relatively new to the field, but I, one of the things that I've seen spoken of time and time again is that there is no silver bullet. Everything mm. is much more complex than yeah. that. And, and really, that's probably the role of egg technology is that before that plant soil and water interface is so complex right it's like it's more complex than the human body even and so to fully to fully understand it and to have each individual farmer or agronomist fully understand it to the point where they can make decisions based on that it was never going to be possible it might get closer to being possible with with egg technologies and the types of data that we can have ready access to Yes, and one of the audience members asked, how can they access this information, or when will it be accessible? Yeah, so we are just starting our research program, obviously, but we did have some smaller scale internal projects last year for the 2019 growing season that we'll have reports and results for, and they'll be posted on our Smart Farm website. And then we have our actual, you know, dedicated research trials starting this year. So we'll have interim reports and final reports and, and information to share, you know, as early as this fall. But really the best platform and the most exciting and interesting and fun to attend platform to learn about what's going on at Olds College and what and some of the lessons learned and some of the early results is the EggSmart, the EggSmart Expo that we're hosting every August. So what's the most important thing for farmers to know in the current moment? <laughs> That's a really good question. It's that ag technology is, is going to be there to provide support and that there's going to be a growing or concerted effort to actually assessing the, the value of those technologies. So they, just, they need to remain up to date, but skeptical <laughs> with, you know, healthy skepticism, I guess, with these ag technologies and, you know, make sure that any decisions they make is right for them and that they fully understand what you know, what value that technology is bringing to them. Because, you know, there's sales pitches and there's all kinds of media hype and there's all kinds of, of information about what egg technology is going to do to farmers. But until they actually have some, some real life, you know, experience or demonstrations or access to information that they know is applicable to, to their situation, be wary. Be interested, but be wary. How practical is this? What is the value of this to a producer? Oh wow, we can collect 6,000 data points per acre using this, this soil nutrient sensor? Why? What value is 6,000 data points per acre to a producer? How is that helping them make management decisions that actually put money in their pocket? So I get really excited about these things, but I'm also very skeptical <laughs> and somewhat practical when it comes to what is the value to producers. Thank you again to Joy Agnew for speaking with me, and to you for tuning in to Inputs, the Top Crop Manager podcast. As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, this is the second in a series providing coverage of the Plant Health Summit. Episodes will be released every two weeks, with the next one coming your way on April 14th. Until then, I wish you the best of luck in planning for planting, 
and a great start to spring 2020. Thanks for tuning in to Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. To catch up on all of our other episodes, visit topcropmanager.com slash podcasts.